Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Bible Study Podcast. I am your host, Phil Shiroki, and tonight we are going to do a bit of an, a, an addendum, if you will, to last night, yesterday's um, look at the books of heaven. There is one particular amazingly awesome passage in Revelation that I can't say I overlooked, but I felt it actually deserves its own episode because it is just incredible. It's awesome. It is, it's just, after going through this particular little study of, and it's Revelation 10, it's when the mighty angel with the little book hands this little book to John, and then he eventually ends up eating the book. John can't even reveal this particular revelation that is given to him. You'll see that he's instructed to not, again, not record the words or the things he sees in this particular passage. And basically that's because God can reveal what he wants to reveal and God can keep hidden what he wants to keep hidden because he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And he can do what he pleases, when he pleases, however he pleases. The amazing part is he invites us in and says, come be part of my family through accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And if you can't tell, I am am ecstatic to do this episode because doing this little study, I just love digging into the word. And I just can't be, I can't contain the joy that I have right now to be able to look at Revelation 10, where John eats the little book handed to him by the mighty angel. This angel is not Jesus, but this angel is a very close affiliate representative of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this angel just, when you hear his just description of him, and it's awesome because Revelation, one awesome part about this book is just seeing into the spiritual realm and seeing just little minor glimpses of heaven and minor glimpses of just the amazing kingdom of God that is exists, has always been and always will be. I just cannot wait to see this and experience this in whatever shape, form, or fashion I'm in when I have the absolute pleasure of being ushered into heaven and this kingdom that God has constructed. And again, to be part of that is amazing to be, you know, accepted and called out of this world and to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, which is incredible. And then to be able to share this is just a blessing. And without any further ado, let's take a look at Revelation chapter 10, where John eats the little book. Okay, and like I said, we are going to look at Revelation chapter 10. We're going to read the entire chapter. It's only 11 verses. And then we will get into the notes and just bounce around in scripture, looking at some of the different reference points 
that help us understand this portion of scripture greater. If you were to just read this and just kind of skim through it, and you would probably be wondering what <laughs> what the heck is John talking about here? Because again, um, this book was written by John when he was on the island of Patmos. He was exiled. He had been tortured. He had been boiled alive. Nothing killed him. So they just said, all right, well, just get him out of our sight. Get him away from everyone. And then he was put out here in, in, in divine timing and in perfect in God's perfect plan, because when he's exiled, <laughs> I mean, one of the greatest books of the Bible and one of the greatest revelations ever given to us by God, the book of Revelation, was um, basically given to him by an angel. And it's just amazing. And all right, <laughs> no more gushing. Let's just get into, again, Revelation chapter 10, starting at verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with the cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and cried with a loud voice, and when a lion roars excuse me, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven voices, which the seven thunders uttered, and do not write them. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him, that would be Jesus, who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. But in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished, as he declared to his servants the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet honey in your mouth. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, the, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. So we are going to start by reading the notes for Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. Starts off by saying, Between the sounding of the sixth and seventh trumpet, a dramatic interlude reveals the mission of the church 
while the warning trumpets are being sounded. The mighty angel, similar in appearance to the one like the Son of Man, you see Revelation chapter 1 verses 13 to 16, is obviously his special envoy. His stance indicates that he has a message for the whole world. Seven thunders, the voice of the Lord. The whole counsel of God has not been revealed. There is much that God does want us to know. Raise up his hand represents a solemn oath. Delay no longer refers to the fulfillment of God's purpose. The dispensational interpretation of that section is basically saying verse 7 correlates with Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. The finishing of God's final purpose concerning national Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Even though national Israel is promised deliverance, she must first experience suffering and judgment. Then moving on to the note for verse 8 of chapter 10 in Revelation. The little book is not the scroll which only the lamb could unseal since it is open. The little book is the gospel that John and the two witnesses are to proclaim. It is possible but improbable that the reference is to chapters 12 through 22. Then finishing up here with the notes for verses 9 to 11. Eat. The message must saturate the personality of the proclaimer. Bittersweet. The message brings God's grace, love, and mercy. But when rejected, it brings inevitable judgment. So that's it right there. That's the account of John being handed this little book by this amazingly huge angel that is um, representative, a, a representative of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he has a message that is not to be revealed to us at this time. Again, the whole counsel of God, God has revealed to us what we need to know, essentially, and that's it. And frankly, it's stated throughout the Bible that people will seek signs and wonders, and most people, although they see them, and even when people saw, even when the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus resurrected and come back to life and ascend to heaven, they still did not believe. So the perception or deception, misconception, that people will just believe in God because they see a sign or a wonder, it's false. This is something very deep and spiritual that's revealed within our hearts by God himself to us, his believers and his family, his children. That's why it said, you know, when the book is eaten, it's talking a spiritual consumption of the word, hearkening back to, again, the name of this podcast being a bite-sized Bible study, meaning that we are taking in spiritual food, which allows us to grow and experience the goodness and the things of God and also changes us within 
so that interchanging and inner working that only the Holy Spirit of God can do produces that outward character that reflects Christ. So we're going to look now, starting in verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. All right, so like I said, we're going to look at the um, a little uh, note for that, the, some context. We are going to actually flip back to Ezekiel chapter 1. We are going to look at verses 26 to 28 to get a little better understanding of what exactly is being said right there. So, again, we're in Ezekiel chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 26 to 28. And above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. And from the appearance of his waist and upward I saw, as it were, the color of amber, with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So we are going to look now at the note for that section. The throne above the firmament has an occupant described as a man obscured by the brilliance of fire. The important lesson for Ezekiel was that God was present in Babylonia as well as in Jerusalem. The glory of the Lord refers to God in all his fullness, especially as he interacts with man. It is a favorite theme of Ezekiel used 16 times in the book. Ezekiel sees this glory both leave the temple and later return to another temple. I fell on my face a common response when Ezekiel is in God's presence. So it's pretty incredible when, um, you know, you look at the different accounts, especially, again, that description in Revelation of the angel that comes down and starts this revelation and hands this little book to John. The consistency, again, in which God's presence is presented to us, um, you know, commonly he's always associated at one point with some sort of rainbow. And what that actually is describing, as you can see in this description of Ezekiel, is different colors and different um elements to the appearance of God that looks like a rainbow, if you will. So it's not exactly, uh, sometimes you can picture in your mind a rainbow, but it's also describing the glory of God with these many different colors that radiate off of his presence and off of his glorious and amazing 
um, I guess, representations we can understand visually. But um, again, we we cannot physically see God, but we have representations that in our mind can make sense. And one of those, again, is this rainbow description that we come across from the beginning of creation all the way up through, as you can see, the book of Revelation and you know, one promise God made to man after the great flood, he said, I will never flood the earth again as I did and basically destroy all of mankind outside of Noah and the um, life that was on the ark with him. Um, God made a rainbow in the sky for, I believe, one of the very first times, and that was a symbol of God's peace, presence, and again, a covenant he made with us promising to never do that again, because, um, you know, uh, there's, we're going to look at why God did that at a point, what the flood was, why it happened and what the earth, the condition of the earth was that made that a necessary thing to happen. So we're now going to look at verse three here. It says, again, we're looking at revelation chapter 10. And cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. When he cried out, seven thunders uttered their voices. So we're going to look now, we're going to flip back to Psalm 29. We're going to look at verses 3 to 9 to try to get a better understanding of what those seven voices were, what exactly that means, those seven thunders. Picking up Psalm chapter 29, verse 3. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everyone says glory. So we're going to look at the notes here again for Psalm chapter 29, verses 3 to 9. In my spirit-filled life, New King James Version Bible, it says, In the following description of a storm, there is no evidence of superstitious fears as in pagan cultures, nor is God equated with the storm and thunder as polytheistic religions depict. But here, God is above and over nature commanding it with his spoken word as at the creation. See Genesis chapter 1. And then in chapter 6, when it talks about he makes them skip like a calf, that word skip, poetically, the psalmist refers to an earthquake or thunderous quake in the Lebanon mountain range and Syrian, Mount Hermon, which splinters the biggest of trees, the mighty cedars, as if they were matchsticks. 
and then picking up at the note there for verse 7. This psalm traditionally is recited in synagogues on the day of Pentecost and refers to the pneumonia that occurred in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. So looking again at 7, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. That word divides actually is saying stirs up or hews out. And then the wind and divided flames of fire. So picking up, uh, looking finally at the note for verses 9, or verse 9, excuse me. The thunder makes the deer give birth prematurely. But in the temple of God, there is a vantage point where all in safety and security can see the awesome power of God and respond with applauding shouts of glory. And then we are going to look quickly here. I love this last, the last couple parts of um, Psalm 29 verses 10 and 11. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood and the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I love the note here for verse 11. The God who controls storms is also the God who restores peace. Amen. He is the God that restores peace. He is our restorer. You know, when God judges earth or judges man or brings whatever God chooses to bring, he also, at the end of the day, he always is the restorer and restores what is broken and what is destroyed. So, and usually with a, he always, what it's like in our lives, it's what, what God takes away or commands us to stop doing, he replaces with himself so much more than we ever would have gotten out of what we thought we were going to get out of that very thing. So God is amazing that way. He's faithful. And the reason why he gives and takes away is because ultimately it's for our benefit and it's in his overarching will for our lives and for humanity that he does those things. So we're going to finish up here looking at the notes and looking at some passages for verse 10 of Revelation chapter 10. We'll reread the verse and then go from there. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. Now, starting with looking at that part where it says, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, we're going to flip back to Jeremiah chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 16. To kind of see exactly what um, John's talking about there with that experience that he has. So again, we're looking at Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. And basically what that's saying there is, um, again, I mean, this, the word of God is spiritual food, and that is something that we can consume. That is something that we take into our spirit, into our hearts, and something that changes us from within. 
It's very consistent throughout the Bible that we are commanded to take the word in, to hear the word, to speak the word. And again, one of the best ways to fight any temptation or any trials, any tribulations that come along in life is to simply be grounded and rooted in the word of God and be ready with that sword of God to wield it in times of temptation, times of darkness, times of, you know, rough times in our life. The word of God is there to um, edify our spirit and to undergird us and to carry us through all parts of life at all times. We're going to finish up here again, looking at the, we're looking at chapter 10 of Revelation, verse 10. And we're going to finish up with looking at this second section here where it says, but when I had eaten it, that's the little book, my stomach became bitter. So let's look again. And what that's speaking about, what's that, what that's referencing actually is the word of God, which brings God's grace, love, and mercy to those who accept it. But when rejected, it brings inevitable judgment. Again, we're flipping over to Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1, 2, 3. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly, and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. And then looking at the notes there, again for chapter 1 where it says, eat this scroll. It says, before the prophet can deliver the message, he must first assimilate it. And then that term, like honey, means the word of God is sweet when it is received. So that's going to conclude our look right now at this awesome, again, this awesome chapter of Revelation, which is, again, the John eating this little book. I hope that kind of cleared up some of the um, I guess questions that we can all have, especially if you don't have a study Bible and you read that, you're probably, you know, you're, you're really left kind of scratching your head when you read that, because again, it's a very spiritual picture of what's being painted there as in most of Revelation. But again, if you want to have understanding, God never leaves us in the dark. God's word is consistent. The 66 books, the canonical books that we call the word of God, our holy Bible is very consistent. And I highly encourage you to get a study Bible because when you can really not only read what's on the surface, what's being said on, you know, verse by verse and chapter by chapter, book by book, you can also really dig in and really get a background and understanding to exactly what is being said throughout the word of God. So again, I hope that cleared up some questions about Revelation chapter 10, one of my favorite books because it is so mysterious, if you will. It's such a head scratcher, but 
again, God never leaves us in the dark. And if you want to know the answers, he will show you those answers. So good luck. God bless and have a great day.